You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to episode 10 of the Broadway Husbands Podcast. I'm Brett. And I'm Steven. And we are the Broadway, the Broadway Husbands. Husbands. Uh, so today we're super excited to have um, an amazing artistic couple who happened to be in town from Seattle. And um, you might have seen some of their content online, um, but uh, they're a couple, Matthew Olszewski, known as the shirtless violinist, and his husband, Paul Castle, who uh, you can check both of them out on Instagram at Paul Castle Studio and shirtless violinist or shirtless violin. Violinist. Violinist. Um, But I I could give a whole spiel, but I always prefer to hear it from you guys. what is your so we'll start i guess with matthew like what was how did you get into violin playing when did you start what did you study and how did you get to where you are with your content creation well first of all thank you for having us on this is incredible to be with another creative artistic couple uh this is rare for us but really exciting um so i got into violin when i was three the story is that um there was another family with kids playing the violin and so my mom wanted her first child, me, to play the violin. Um, So I started at the age of three. She looked around for a teacher, found one who would start me. And uh, I actually have a younger sister, uh, three years younger than me. She started violin. Four years after that, my younger brother came along. He started violin. We were the Von Trapp violin (laughs) family. And you... um did you have visions of like being in a symphony? Did you go to college for music? Like what did, how, where did that take you? Yeah, I just played every day. I I was homeschooled so I could practice all day long. Uh It was actually the first subject I did because the rule is in in our house growing up was uh, no lunch till you practiced your violin. So that helped. Uh, so I was just, as I got older, practicing more and more up till uh, for a brief period of time, I was practicing five hours a day, which was crazy. Wow. Um, but I didn't do much else, literally. So it was, it was a true passion. Little. It was a true passion. Yeah. But I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to play with orchestras. I didn't know if I would end up as a soloist or what would happen um, till I was offered my first job with a ballet orchestra. Yeah. So my first job was playing with a ballet orchestra, Kansas City Ballet Orchestra. Wow. Um, and that was for the Nutcracker. So we did, I think, well, Makes not a lot. It was like 20. Okay. That's um, a lot. That's a good amount. It was was fun, especially weekends when you played five. Mm -hmm. Um, And what? And so that kind of got my uh, me into the orchestra world. So I started playing with ballet orchestras, opera orchestras, chamber orchestras, um, chamber groups, quartets, all of that. And that was my my life was uh, wearing a either a tux or tails uh, on stage with part of a, a big orchestral group playing classical music. And now you wear nothing and yeah. play. <laughs> well, Paul, but Paul, how did you get into illustration and 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 drawing? Um, I think like most artists, it starts pretty young. I mean, we all sort of start with art when we're kids, you know, coloring in coloring books. So that's sort of uh, where the love and the passion for art 
began. And I grew up as a kid in the 90s and I was totally a Disney kid and obsessed with yes. all things Disney. Yes. And the first well, you're thing, in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll see that influence of mine has stretched into the work that Matthew and I do on uh, with his music and music videos. But like I said, I the first thing I ever wanted to be was a Disney animator. And so I was just constantly creating art and illustrating and creating my own stories and uh, stapling together my first little children's books at the age of six. I still have a copy of this like sort of first book that I made when I was a kid. And that's you how I stole kinda, your brother's G.I. Joe. That's book. a great story. I stole my brother's G.I. Joe in space book, ripped out all the pages because I wanted a hardcover. It had to have a hardcover. And then I just kind of stapled in my own story about a sad little turtle that had no friends. And I didn't realize just how prescient that was you know <laughs> at the time it's great uh little uh arc uh piece of uh, history that i have on our bookshelf at home so anyway i actually that interestingly enough though um as much as i loved art and it was a true passion of mine around the age of uh 10 11 I, I i grew passionate about filmmaking and i wanted to be a filmmaker a director and it however i was diagnosed with a rare eye disease at age 16 and due to the fact that I learned I was losing my vision permanently, I sort of abandoned my dreams of going to film school. And so I studied English literature and art history instead. But by the time I graduated from college, I was selling my art professionally and discovered that this is sort of working for me. And I parlayed that hobby into a full-time career about 12 years ago. That's Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. That is such a good story. <laughs> it's very inspiring. Where on that path, or both your artistic paths, did you meet? And how did that, how did you get to where you are now as husbands? So we met on a dating app. Oh, so yes. I know in your first episode, you recommended in person. Um, <laughs> but uh, when, when you're legally blind, it's really hard to get out and meet people. Sure. So Paul was very reliant on. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. I had like every app and was like every profile, dating profile for years. And I kind of used that to vet and meet people because I couldn't, you know, primarily one of the primary uh, components of my sight loss is I have no low light vision. So I, it's called night blindness. And so going out to a club, I could end up with who knows who. <laughs> and I loved to dance in my early 20s and I would go out, but I had no idea who I was dancing with. So there was just. But people no who hope. aren't legally blind have oh, sure. go home with who of knows course, who. Of course, yes. Because they're just not paying attention. That's so. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's been funny here in New York City. We'll go through those revolving doors that every building oh, has going into them. Those. We don't have those in Seattle, but they are Paul usually loses me. me and then he'll come out the other end and grab onto some other guy oh it's, yeah well that's that's sometimes that it's a mistake last night sometimes it's circle not. And, I, and he was like i grabbed onto someone else I said, and matthew said he was handsome don't worry about it <laughs> i don't think he minded <laughs> so yeah so we actually just our newest music video uh, is called grinder to grooms and it's actually the oh, real live clips from our our first date we had to recreate our grinder chat um <laughs> which we we kind of uh, uh summarized very quickly um so that kind of follows our story uh, uh from from the first first date where paul mm -hmm. taught me to paint i played my violin for him yeah that was our first date wow. it was a it was a confluence of our artistic passions and that's actually we had been chatting for a couple of months 
And Matthew finally convinced me. Uh, I was living in Canada. We were across the border from each other, but just about 35 minutes apart. And I said, well, we have to meet during the day because of my situation with my sight. And he, un he understood everything about my, my vision loss. And I said, well, I'll give you a painting lesson. I said, but only if you play your violin for me. Aww. And it was pretty amazing. And I, it was um, an incredible first date. It was truly magical. And um, I, I knew instantly that he was different than anybody else I'd ever met. And I, I had a, a, a feeling that it was going to be um, serious. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I knew, I think, and I told Matthew this during our vows that I, I knew he was the one from that first date. So you weren't disappointed when you finally got together. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. At the, first, at the first like right. drawing and um, violin lesson, like that was, that just sealed it for you, right? Before going mm -hmm. into it, you had an expectation and the you expectation the was truth. met. <laughs> I thought I was being catfished because uh, I was the most gorgeous yeah. man. He sent yeah, yeah, me yeah. this like headless torso <laughs> picture. I'm like, I was that the is not torso. you. <laughs> <laughs> that is not you. And I had no interest in headless torsos. I was interested in looking for an intellectual connection. Mm -hmm. And some may balk at the fact Which that is I was rare using on Grindr. Grindr. Yeah. <laughs> some say that it is, but I mean, I was using every app in mm -hmm. available to me to find that intellectual connection. It just so happened to be on Grindr. And Matthew, I know, was really using the app for hookup, but he quickly learned with me that it wasn't what I was using the app for. And he pursued the first. Well, date. you were really different. I mean, you had your Instagram hooked up. Uh, you ran marathons. You painted. Mm -hmm. You drank green smoothies. And you were legally blind. The green smoothies. And you're blind. And I was like, oh, my God, I just have to meet this person. It mm -hmm. probably won't go anywhere, but I just have to meet him once. <laughs> like, this is the weirdest collection of things. This is a weird guy. Do. I just have to meet him. <laughs> See if he's real. Well, he was cute. Well, you're both, you're yeah. both incredibly lucky to get to make money mm -hmm. doing what you love. And, and you're both full time mm -hmm. in your careers, which mm -hmm. is amazing especially not being in a major like a major like la or new york or right. even chicago seattle right yeah so what's the key to successfully being artists in a quote-unquote smaller market mm. how do you guys how are you guys able to do that well for us it's really social media because we're mm. just putting the music videos for me putting the music videos out online for paul he's putting his his artwork just on his social media so mm. we could We've actually talked we could be anywhere in the world. And because, you know, it's not reliant on, uh, you know, a live show that's housed in one city. Um, I, I perform live, but it's, it's all over all over the country and, and the world sometimes. And that's furthered by your social media. From, yeah, all from social yeah. media. Amazing. Yeah, yeah social media growth um, is really a primary focus of ours because... Um, as Matthew said, I mean, we really only need to be in a city where we have an international airport because Matthew travels uh, to perform. And so we just hop on a plane at SeaTac and you know, travel uh, around the country and the world. And as far as my art goes, I mean, gone are the days of artists requiring galleries and exhibitions really to make their money because most of the money goes to the gallery, or half of it anyway, and um, it's difficult to find fresh audiences through galleries and exhibitions, which are often toured by the same groups of people. And I find those atmospheres really stuffy and traditional, and using social media as my platform and allows me the independence and to I take the profit 
and very little goes to whatever you know sort of uh, e-commerce uh, you choose. But um, I think that it's super important for uh, artists to understand the power of the social media platforms and not yeah. to rely on galleries. Do you both have representation or do you represent yourselves? No, no, it's just... So you're booking yourself on these gigs? Yes. yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's just the two of us in a tiny one-room apartment doing, you know, working seven days a week, mm-hmm. um, long 10-hour days <laughs> doing it all ourselves. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like everything we do... Is with is with each other. Matthew and I have sort of separate businesses, but we're both heavily involved in each other's work. So we live together and we work together, and we spend ninety nine percent of our time together, and we go to the gym together. (laughs) (laughs) We should have done this whole interview shortlist. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, Yeah, Um, yeah, take it off, guys. No. (laughs) So wait, what was what was the song that you taught him to play on the violin, and what did you draw on that first date? Oh, that's a good question. I I played uh, Hallelujah for well, him. Hold on, okay. you taught me Twinkle, Twinkle, because that is part of every twinkle. new violin. And were you learns. able to? How wait? How long was the, that that part of? Okay, the so I will tell you this: Matthew produced a lovely painting um, mm-hmm. because I taught him to do it. Of a bird. I couldn't play because <laughs> I, I, I taught him. I could not play Twinkle Twinkle by the end of our session. I, the violin. I mean, I have so much respect for Matthew because the violin is just truly one of the most challenging music uh, musical instruments to master and make sound good i mean it's really like it takes so many years to get that thing to sound beautiful and matthew is uh, truly gifted so um but to answer earlier question our art really came together when on our third date when paul said so what's your dream with music and i said i want to make beautiful music videos there's so many crossover classical musicians doing cool stuff like the piano guys were kind of new but big at the time uh and i was like wow that's so cool they're having fun it Mm -hmm. looks so much fun it makes people want to listen to classical instruments outside of a concert hall which is a an aging population right mm-hmm. um so i told that to paul and he said well, that's what he told me he wanted to be a film director until he was diagnosed with his eye disease and i said oh let's just make one let's just make a video let's have fun doing it we were going to take a trip down the coast to the bay area and we decided we'd just stop the car and film at any cool spot so crater lake mount shasta golden gate bridge and we filmed on an iPhone. I had recorded a Katy Perry song into GarageBand with the built-in mic in a laptop, which is, I don't know, under one of the keys, maybe? <laughs> I don't even know where the microphone was. <laughs> I just leaned yeah. And like a karaoke it. track or something? Or what did you do? A karaoke yeah. track, uh-huh. and Paul edited the video in iMovie. And um, yeah, it was about as just amateur yeah, as you could possibly was, get. The video's gone now. It's so bad. Right. Where did you get rid of it? Shirtless in this video? It's just hidden. It's actually available for Matthew's Patre- Patreon Patreons. supporters. Got it. <laughs> and you know a thing or two about that. Yeah. And um, what's amazing about that is like, well, first of all, when Matthew said, let's just do it. Like, I know you're losing your vision, but this was a dream of yours. There's no pressure. I'll be there to help you. Let's just dive in. And that's Matthew's motto in life is dive in the deep end. And mm. I'm sort of the guy that wants to wait until everything's perfect. And mm. we, that day never comes, yep. as we realize, yep. you know, there's no such thing. And it was with Matthew's sort of um, boldness and insistence that we just do something and have a good time. Um, and then I got to sort of address and uh, this dream of mine, like mm-hmm. in a way. And 
just as a fun little project. Like that's all we thought it was going to be. But then the video was uh, picked up by Pride.com. Well, just before we filmed at the very first location, which was Crater Lake. Oh, you want to tell the shirtless part? Paul yeah. said to me, that's important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, when did it become shirtless or was it shirtless was then? Well, I had then? ended up playing shirtless for Paul in our apartment once just because I was like halfway between changing, getting ready to go to the gym. And he said to me, oh, this is how we got to make this music video. And I laughed because I thought it was a really funny joke, but not serious. Yeah, he was standing in the living room playing <laughs> in the heat of the, you know, the summer uh, and playing Hallelujah in little like, I don't know, workout shorts and no shirt. And I thought, oh, my God, like that's magical. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who isn't going to love that combination? Yeah. yeah. So I sort of insisted. I said, you, we have to do it this way. I mean, how else are we going to stand out? How are I, I thought you were completely joking. Mm -hmm. That's why I just laughed. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But then when we, he was holding the little iPhone up at Crater Lake, he's like, so are you going to take the shirt off? Yeah, I may be blind, but I knew the shirt was still on. So. <laughs> <laughs> take that off. Take it off. So take I took it off. It off. Um, I grew up very religious. So taking my shirt off in public was not something I was comfortable. I swam in a t-shirt growing up. Wow. So um, I just didn't do that. But uh, I did because uh, we were newly dating and you have to do what yeah, your new I boyfriend totally asked you to. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of had to go along with it. Yeah. I don't get away with stuff like that. As no, often now. not now. <laughs> and so we put one video on the YouTube channel. It got, I don't know, like a couple hundred views right, right <laughs> yeah, away. We were just like, who's watching this? We're like, wow, we like people are watching views. the video. <laughs> and then I think pride.com wrote about mm. it. That was a thrilling moment because we were like, oh, this little fun video we made. And it was this hilarious but supportive um, uh, article that sort of dissected the entire video. And I and think it's like really funny way. It was yeah. really cute. And they had gifts and everything. And we were like, Ooh. OK, Matthew immediately said, well, we have to do another one. You know, like somebody's watching this. We have oh. to make a second video. And that was never the plan initially. We just wanted no, to make it's one just gonna be once. music video. So well, um, so when that got picked up you made it what when did you make it this commitment i'm going to continue to consistently make content and how do you still manage that because i mean i've made plenty of content and i mean we have a hard enough time scheduling our instagram stuff or just time to come here at the same <laughs> to the podcast yeah it's just the podcast so, so how, how do you i mean you're you're lucky i mean we do have to freelance outside work for ourselves like i'm in wicked and he's doing some ballet gigs but um, you're able to work mostly from home together, but when did you make this commitment and what is your like goal? Like how consistently do you want to make videos and do you release them? So it was four months later where we were like, Oh sh shoot, we have to get really consistent. You can I can? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh shit. <laughs> we need to get serious. There's like a growing market for this and people seem to like it. So that's when we started Patreon, our Patreon, because we were like, we're spending our own money and um, we were spending more and more with every, I mean, they just got exponentially more expensive because we eventually didn't want it. them filmed on iPhones or recorded in a garage band. So mm -hmm. we were constantly upping the production value and finding film students who would film and who had actual cameras mm -hmm. and going into a studio. So Patreon really crowdfunded uh, all of our videos. Um, and so that's, we just completed three years mm -hmm. of uh, crowdfunded yeah. music videos. Wow. Um, 
they're really hard to put out consistently because everyone is different. Some of them are super expensive. Sometimes we put together a plan and it all falls completely mm -hmm. apart and it doesn't come together. Mm -hmm. So we have like amazing partial footage or we had this beautiful shoot where we never actually got any footage from it. Um, so we've had everything oh. possibly happen. <laughs> yeah. So my, my uh, kudos goes out to people who actually put out music videos on like a schedule. Mm. I don't know how I, I it's, it's haven't tough. figured that out. Tough. There are, people don't realize how complicated yeah. and expensive a just one music video is even the simple ones mm -hmm. um and i feel like it's not just that it's that matthew and i aren't really content doing the same exact thing over and over again yeah we are constantly trying to come up with fresh and sort of original creative ideas because i mean that is sort of the, what we have in common and what started this whole thing is that we um are itching that sort of that that, that need for new creative ideas expressed and we, we get bored easily once we've sort of created something we're, we don't want to repeat it precisely so well we have to collaborate i have yes i think we could do an idea where you play violin yes we animate something within that steven dances <laughs> and i sing yes. and we all do, like do a whole combo together yeah oh, i would love that, that. would be a cool love collaborating and, with dancers yes. and singers and i want to come to yes. seattle so it's just, we'll make that work <laughs> i've never been that's so. perfect okay we can show you around <laughs> figure it out okay <laughs> yeah we love yeah. getting dancers we've oh. had dancers in a couple oh yeah because i think it's just the perfect pairing totally is, mm. is music and dance mm. and uh i've only been able to collaborate with one singer so far but i loved it tom goss who's in mm. la yeah mm -hmm. cool let's figure that out so you've been together now. So you've been doing the videos for three years, but how long have you been together as a couple? Well, we've actually, I mean, we've been, the video started, I would say, two months after we started dating. Okay. Wow. And we've been doing crowdfunded videos for three years, but okay. we actually started the first iPhone video at just two months into our relationship. So how long ago was that? So three and a half years ago. Three and a half years yeah. ago, you've been together. Yeah. And something that I know about you, Paul, is that like us, you're sober. Mm hmm how long have you been sober? Five years. We just celebrated five years. I say we because because Matthew, for the first time ever on my sober birthday, which was on January 15th, yep. uh, Matthew oh. surprised me with this little piece of carrot cake with five candles in it. And it was the sweetest thing because I've always just sort of kind of celebrated that on my own. And... Um, and I just thought that was really sweet and supportive. Matthew's just super supportive of that part of my life. Do you guys, when so when you met, you were already sober? Yeah, I'd have been sober for about a year and a half. And w as a, you know, we're kind of lucky because we both don't drink. So we're just mm -hmm. like, whatever. Yeah. Like, we get, which LaCroix do you want? There's never <laughs> like a. Or if we're in a, at a bar or in a situation where people are drinking, right. we're like, let's go. Like, it's not like, do you want to stay? No, mm -hmm. we're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> what, what, what is it like for you guys? Are there any complications or anything that comes up for you as a couple being one sober, one not? Well, growing up religious, I didn't drink. In uh. fact, I even waited to drink. And when I started drinking, it was red wine. Um, and so I'm not a big drinker, especially needing to be shirtless. I, like alcohol just doesn't work. You can't drink <laughs> a lot of alcohol and try to maintain a shirtless condition. Yeah. So I am usually not drinking. It's only like on a cheat night where I will mm -hmm. get a bottle of red wine. And that's all I want. I don't like hard alcohol at all. Sometimes I've had a couple of shots before going on stage to increase vascularity, which is a weird thing that bodybuilders do. I don't do that anymore. I tried it, but I, I hate, I hate, I hated that. Uh, so it actually works really well. I mean, I'm grateful he's sober. I love it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal. I've, I've been in relationships where that wasn't the case mm. and it can be not fun just because I don't drink a lot. I mean, 
a glass of red wine is really it for me. Mm-hmm. And Paul doesn't mind uh, if I do that. That's that's been fine. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I let's see. I I mean, it's been a long journey for me. I I started going to AA meetings in my early twenties, trying to quit, and I didn't have a lot of success. Um, uh, just because of the place and time, I guess, in my life, I wasn't ready. And I, I even dated within AA, which um, I, for a while, thought this is the only way I can do it. I can only be with somebody who's sober. And But by the time I came, came to that moment of uh, making the decision for myself to stop, which was a real battle for a long time, which I linked to just self-worth, not really knowing my own self-worth yet or my value and getting to a point in my life where it just clicked. Like Mm -hmm. my life will be wasted if I don't start to value myself. It was more than just putting down the drink. It was about understanding my own worth. Mm. And that was just a real, and that's a journey. That's not an easy place to get, but I got there. And thankfully, um, as soon as that happened, I mean, I feel super lucky and in that it, it just completely left me the desire to harm my, myself, the desire to continue lying to myself. Like mm. this was just going to be the last time, the last drink. And those lies I got so tired of telling. I just it just was a transformative moment um, for me on January 15th, 2015. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank congrats. you. And when I met Matthew um, and I learned that, you know, he drank. I, at that t- honestly, I didn't care anymore. I didn't care. I didn't, yeah. I had no issue about being around somebody who drank. But I had dated a guy who um, wasn't an alcoholic, but drank probably every night. And I found that was a bit challenging in that a lot of his social activities were sort of surrounding alcohol. And I thought, well, how's this going to work? But with Matthew, like he said, he only drinks red wine and it's quite rare. I mean, usually it's just like once a week or something. It's very, um, uh, very rare. And, and I know he's not, I was raised by alcoholics and I know that Matthew's not an alcoholic (laughs) because he will like, when he's done with his wine, he'll like, you know, dump the glass down the sink. I'm like, are you crazy? Who does that? that? So that was like confirmation (laughs) for me that he was definitely not like me and my family. Yeah. And, and, And he did not have that addictive quality. And I'll be honest, there's a part of me that appreciates that he is the drinker so that when we do go out and we're social, it's, um, you know, he can sort of relate with the people and kind of imbibe with them over wine and have that aspect of the relationship. Because sometimes I feel like, uh, and I don't know if you experience this, and maybe this is really a personal thing. I mean, as non-drinkers, there's just a lot of things we don't do or have any interest in doing. And I kind of want to leave right now because why do I want to stay here and get drunker with these people? Mm-hmm. So Matthew will imbibe and I, I find that sort of like, okay, there's a bit of the attention off the fact that I'm not drinking yep. and that you understand that. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. We, we constantly, uh, I mean, I, I have this like really vivid memory one time of being with a coworker at an, an event and she started, she was having a drink and I had just as a friend had, had shared that I was sober. And I remember it was new information to her and we're sitting there having this, she's having a drink and I'm having a seltzer and she's like, is it okay that I'm drinking this? And it's like, why is my not drinking an Mm -hmm. issue for you? And I, and I remember saying to her, I don't know, is it, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like, like you tell me you want to yeah. you tell me because, really, you like, open up about if it? me not drinking is an issue for you um i don't know what to tell you 
but yeah. so you always, you know, and that's it. You always do sort of feel in those situations yeah. like you stand out. But yeah. the truth is, these people don't care. They just want someone. Yeah, they, they don't care. care. They're not going to remember. Feel oh not alone. They're not going to remember. But I used to think everybody in the room was noticing, was talking about it. Nobody, yeah. nobody knows. cares. Yeah. nobody. Especially, cares. it's a hard place to get to. Like yeah. you just constantly feel like, oh. oh. Yeah. What What happens for we? What we share a lot is about an hour, maybe half an hour into the party, mm-hmm. the conversations just get really dull. Oh, or yeah. like a repeat, yes. a repeat story. <laughs> so then you're like, themselves. Oh, I think I've heard this twice already. I think it's time to go. Yep. And yeah. this is what I, I'll tell you something I love about Matthew. I think I've only seen you drunk a couple times, maybe once or twice. Matthew doesn't drink to get drunk. And so as soon as people start getting to that point, we are out of there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we yeah, love yeah. to go to bed early yeah. and get our eight to nine hours. Why know? are we so much? In- <laughs> yeah, God, I'm, I'm, a, lot I'm, I'm a two glasses person. Yeah. and if if and we'll both look at each other and be like, "Let's go." It's time. We're at it's, the point yeah. where no one will remember what they're even talking about. Mm-hmm. We're having conversations, and tomorrow this person won't know that they had this conversation. Yeah. So we always leave early. Yeah. Have you ever been to a party We're, where you're like, you know, you're going to leave early? So get into a couple photos, group photos, yep. real quick. So make you know. a couple of uh, impressions uh, in tell conversations a tell yeah. a joke get a good laugh so they remember that the you back. were there <laughs> yeah yeah my, my so sp- you were there and we're in bed by 10 p.m yeah, yeah so. my sponsors my sponsor said to me early on when i got sober she's like show up late and leave early yeah, yeah. and i i still follow that rule it's like oh, that's good sh- show up late get your photos in selfies mm-hmm. and be like i gotta go mm-hmm. and peace out and it's it's always just enough time mm-hmm. it's enough of an appearance um mm-hmm. yeah that's my. Yeah, I, I hate bars and clubs, mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of perfect because Paul doesn't enjoy right. them, and you don't see mm-hmm. in any bar club. <laughs> that's so. true. We just don't go. Yeah, yeah. people will be like, "What's the best club to go to in Seattle?" I'm like, "I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, no clue. Know. We don't know. <laughs> we can yeah. tell you every coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, with great and I, lighting. Yeah, and I will say like, so that now you know, you guys have been kind of in this social media influencer space and the gay community longer than us, but. What's interesting is we do get a lot of people, and this we'll dive this into a little bit more of it. Um, we get people who who do do that. They're like, "Hey, what's a good bar to go to? What's a good place to go to?" And we're like, I, "Seriously, no clue. Like, I could not. Like, oh, somebody said that mentioned a gay bar in New York." the other day in the dressing room and I was like, that's still there. You know, <laughs> I, I had in no the early idea 2000s, that. I used, I to, used go to go there, there in like 2002. Um, so fascinating. I've been to blazing saddles. Yes. That was that's fun. I've never, that's been a fun there. place. You've been there. I've Just been to, to the one in the dance oh, okay. on the countertop. Yeah, yeah, I've never been there. Cause Tyrone. Oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, right. So right, I right. went with a bunch of classical musicians. So we all had a glass of wine. We watched them dance and we all left really early. So it was Okay, so uh, there was um, so we always do this segment on our podcast that we call Spotlight, Spotlight on Love, and usually what we do is somebody will write in um, to the to to us and want relationship advice, and when I put the question out yesterday, which you probably saw on our Instagram stories. Um, I didn't get really good situations. You sometimes people are like, I'm having a tough time with this or whatever. All I got was this one question and I thought actually it would just be a really good topic of conversation. And the question was, I think they didn't speak English first, how to handle when get jealous, which to me is like, uh, you know, yeah, there's no specific situation here, but when we all, all of us work in, in sort of this, 
public arena now, especially people see see your body all the time on videos. Steven gets the same thing as a ballet dancer. They're constantly seeing him in tights. And, uh, you know, we get strange DMs from people mm -hmm. and interesting invitations and things like right. that. Um, and as a couple, you know, how do you guys handle jealousy when it comes up? And what, what triggers that for you guys, if anything? It's such a great question for people in the, the business that we're in and with social media such as it is. I want to, I mean, I, I, we have been asked because Matthew being, you know, this sort of, I mean, sex, sex being a big part of what he uh, is, is his business and his brand. Mm -hmm. It's about sexuality and it's about being sexy. It invites a lot of those strange DMs. <laughs> I'm sure. And we've had some interesting requests and <laughs> things and, and sort of forward um, messages and requests. But I, I don't, I'm not a jealous person. And I think it's sort of linked to what I was saying earlier about that sense of worth and value that I have in myself. And I really think it has to come down to that. But of course, the foundation of our relationship is so strong, in my opinion, and I know Matthew shares that opinion. And for me, and maybe you can relate to this, because we all do things that are sort of stage related. Um, you have a stage persona and you have your the real you behind the scenes who I go home with every night and go to bed with every night. And I know that when people are sending messages, they're sending messages to the curated character that Matthew and I created named mm -hmm. the shirtless violinist. They're not sending them to Matthew Olszewski, the man I married. They're sending them to this sort of carefully created. And not that Matthew isn't extremely genuine, but it is there's a separation mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's separated in my mind. I find it endlessly amusing. And and quite frankly, I would be worried if these messages weren't happening oh, all right. the time. I think That's we're doing true. something wrong, yeah, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to have to be sexier tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been in several relationships. That's a great question. But for some reason, this one just had a level of trust. Mm. It's just there. And I don't know why. I mean, I couldn't... I mean, I, I could say, well, this one didn't, this one did, this was why there wasn't, but for some reason we just kind of started off with it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been there and there hasn't been anything to, to break that trust, which, which mm -hmm. is really wonderful. And, uh, I think because we both have a really good sense of humor, we just see everything that comes in. as just like really funny and really <laughs> fun or, mm -hmm. or enjoyable. I mean, sometimes I'm like, wow, Paul, look at this. This is <laughs> nice. I'm like, this yeah, is, this is a little not? perk. Yeah. This is a little perk. Yeah. Uh, we share all that with each other, yeah. you know, and we're often, right. if we're fielding messages and people think that they're only talking to Matthew, I'm right next to him. Right. He's reading things aloud to yeah. me. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. just that open, um, that openness. So I yeah. love that. What about you guys? How do you deal with that, that sort of thing? It's I'm curious. interesting. I could also, cause we didn't really touch on this, but with your religious background, I wonder mm. if there's, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But I know for me, I, Steven's pretty bashful and he's always been that way. And it's one of the things I love about him, but he, you know, getting him to, cause he's got the body. I don't. And sometimes I have the body, <laughs> but getting him to feel like we need to take a shirtless photo. No, I don't want to do it. Uh, I'm like, well, do you want a thousand likes or not? You know, um, you know, just, and it, and it's interesting actually just hearing you say like this idea of a persona and like what, what that is and Broadway husbands as a persona or whatever, mm. but it's just interesting. It's good information to like to kind of take in, mm. but we have definitely, I think our fields of 
but we're both performers. So our field is our creative field is so similar. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely moments where Steven's getting more success or he's making more money or he's booked a higher profile gig where it's hard not to, it's not jealousy, it's hard not to feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not stepping up enough. I feel like this is kind of like the conversation that we had recently because I feel like I'm kind of Mm. in that position right now. Like I, you said something to me like two days ago and I was like, it just, so what you're telling me is that that I'm not doing enough. And I was like, and he was like, that's not what I said at all. And I was like, but I kind of, you know, Mm. at this point in time, I feel like, I'm doing like five different jobs just to make my, Mm. you know, ends meet. And yeah. So, I mean, we're constantly navigating that. And so how do we, um, cause Steven honestly has been mostly the breadwinner for most of our marriage. He has always made the most money, even when he was dancing New York city ballet and, um, you know, in between gigs for me, like if I worked at a regional theater, you don't make that much money. Um, and he'll do a nutcracker, as you know, the nutcracker ballet world, he can make, (laughs) in one weekend more than I make in three months. (laughs) So, um, you know, there, it's hard not to start to feel like I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. And Mm. I don't know if that really is jealousy as much as it's, yeah, that is just like being clear as to like what our Mm. role is in the relationship at what point and, and allowing room to like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I literally have to say to him, allow me to actually take care of you in this moment Mm -hmm. because it's just a season and it could be over tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. in this season, let me do this. If we're telling the truth, I mean, I, cooked breakfast i made dinner i do all the laundry i mean so it's very nice yeah oh yeah i can attest to that (laughs) yeah i'm just it's so incredible to listen to you guys talk about that and this is sort of like taking the conversation in a different direction it's not jealousy but it's about that um feeling like you're holding up your end of the bargain so to speak and that there's that almost you described that bit of that competitive side of like who is getting more work, who's doing more work, who's putting more out there. And I think it's something that we can relate to because we're independent artists. Mm-hmm. We are funneling our own careers. We are. We uh, Matthew and I have recently said that like we are um, every day is about hustling. It's hustle, hustle, hustle. How can we hustle what we're doing to make money? And if we stop, the whole thing halts. Mm-hmm. It's over. Right. There's nothing that else holding it up it's Mm -hmm. the energy we put into it every day and so you know just as well as we do that i mean one month i'm up and one month he's up Mm -hmm. and i'm down and it's just kind of all over the place but when you get this sort of bigger picture i'm like oh you know it's kind of a little more even and even if it's not it's not about who's providing the right. most money, but mm-hmm. what are you doing? As you just said, the laundry, the, the cooking. I mean, the relationship is built of all of those components. And um, so yeah. thankfully we've never had any issue over money. And I that's to math, so much to Matthew's credit because when he met me, I mean, I definitely wasn't in a, a, a great financial situation and it's improved just through, I think, the love and support of Matthew and his support of my creativity. I love that. That's that's team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're a team. Um, do you want to say anything else about jealousy? <laughs> Why me? I don't know. <laughs> he tends to be the jealous one. Oh, okay. I, yes, I do. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it comes from like, you know, being such a busy, being busy, he's busy. So when I feel like we're not connecting mm. oh, God, as yes. much as I would like, day to day 
like for instance one of our conversations last night was like can you just look me in the eyes for like two minutes <laughs> oh god can yes. we just like stare at each <laughs> other just for two that. minutes because i feel like <laughs> yes there's so much thing there's so many things happening oh, um yeah. that yeah i'm like can i just get like a moment mm-hmm. That's all I need. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we can. Wor- I mean, I we work in right the here. same right. apartment, but yeah. sometimes at the end of the day, I'll say, "Paul, please." I'm I didn't right get, get to connect with you yeah. for one minute. He's like, "What? We did this together, and this we worked the entire day." I'm like, "No, of course, I hear that connected. as a criticism. I hear that as a criticism, mm-hmm. and I'm very sensitive. I will admit, I'm like the super sensitive one. It doesn't take yes. much to upset me. <laughs> I'm like, because I don't take criticism." very well i think i'm getting better at it but i try and i'll be really open and honest about it so um i'm the same okay (laughs) that's why i'm laughing i'm feeling a little better about that and matthew is very good at it he can take it i mean he's as growing up as a classical musician he knows how to take criticism so i will we will always encounter that like how do you really connect i mean i feel like sometimes we're desperate for real connection and we Mm. live in this busy busy world where we can work till day to night and we're sort of like i can get obsessive about work and Mm. really work mode and like really um it's hard to pull me away from projects and like i'll get mad i'll be like I am not going to sit in front of the mm-hmm. screen with you and watch a show tonight. Because I'll say, we can connect. <laughs> we can watch Portlandia on Netflix uh, together. And he's think, well, that's not connecting. We're staring at the screen. And I said, well, I'm we're like, cuddling. Sk- staring at a screen is not connecting. <laughs> well, so what's so, you know, quickly, what's next for you guys? Like, what do you see happening? I just want to do more of what I'm doing. Uh, I love performing live as the shirtless violinist that took me out of live performances, which you guys are doing mm-hmm. which i love there's energy it's excitement and and recording in a studio and filming in front of a camera crew is just boring they get so tired of you so quickly and they just you know they're long days so um i've been doing more live performing i love that it's, it's so exciting and there's the you know the spontaneity of what's going to happen and what's going to go wrong and that's fun um i'm a straight up stage mom when he's on stage oh, are you? i'm like <laughs> so nervous i'm like mouthing his lines because we kind of i script some of the stuff that he says between <laughs> sets and it's just but it is so fun to watch him come alive on stage. Oh. It's a totally different experience because he spends a lot of time in the stu- recording studio and I sit in on every session in the recording studio with him. Um, but to see him on stage is super special. So, uh, A new album this year. Oh, so uh, I want, want to do my second full studio album. I did Disney Strings uh, this last year. And this year I'm hoping to do a, um, a full album with a symphony orchestra. So... Whoa, yeah, cool. So working with an arranger in LA to hopefully pick out some songs and get it arranged. So it's cool. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I your both of your work is just beautifully creative. And uh I just I you know, looking at you can check all their stuff out on social media, but you can check out Paul's stuff on Etsy too. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh and shirtlessviolinist.com. Yes. And um make sure you check our show notes. You can follow them on Instagram. And we want to thank you guys for being thank you so on much. The podcast. This was so much yeah. fun. It was really fun. To meet. Oh my god, I made new friends. Yes. yes. <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to come out to Seattle. Yes, please. And on this podcast, we encourage you to love who you love and love what you do.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.